Hey, I just want to say thank you for checking out this message today. I hope that it helps you, that it encourages you, and that you are able to learn a little bit more about who God is and why so many people throughout history have chosen to become followers of Jesus. If you enjoy this message and you want to hear more, you can find us on Facebook or YouTube, but ultimately you can find everything you need to know at clcwinnipeg.ca. There you can find more messages, you can find our social handles, ways to get connected to our church, and if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do that as well. And like I said before, I hope that you are encouraged by the message you're about to hear. God bless you. Remember Blockbuster? It was this video chain that was a huge force in the like 90s and early 2000s. Kind of got taken over by Netflix. And I vividly remember those Friday nights walking into Blockbuster with my parents, knowing that out of all of those hundreds of movies, we were going to walk out with our family movie for that night. And what an exciting place it seemed like at the time. It seemed like every movie imaginable was in there. And I remember to the left were all of the new releases, where it seemed like they had 50 copies of each of those. And then in the aisles, you would find action and romance and horror and drama and comedy. And that was kind of our family's sweet spot. We were most definitely a comedy family. And this definitely led to some family favorites being found, but also some very terrible and ridiculous slapstick comedies that we also endured through. But these comedies, some of them really seeped into the fabric of our family. And we all have these phrases in our family that we, like, we say and we understand, but they would likely be completely lost on anyone trying to understand what it is that we're going on about. For us, some of these phrases include, can you just act like a human boy for one minute? Or, if I'm not honest with you, I'm not lying to anyone. Yeah, wrap your mind around that one for a second. Or this one has actually gotten me into some trouble at times. Man, you are one pathetic loser. No offense. Turns out when you say that to your friends and they don't know that it's a line from a movie and almost kind of like a term of endearment in your household, it actually can seem kind of offensive. I figured that out the hard way. But those are just part of the vocabulary around my family. We have these lines from these comedies that we grew up laughing with or at, depending on how good they were. But you know what I never remember us sitting down to watch? A sad movie. And now in the Netflix era where you can just sit down and look at movies and TV shows until your heart is content, even to this day, I very rarely will choose to watch something sad. And like growing up, I don't really remember my dad ever coming home with a copy of like Old Yeller or The Notebook or anything like that, because we liked to laugh. But some people, on the other hand, they love a good cry. They love to sit down and just bawl their eyes out and get in their feelings. And if you're someone that loves to be sad, then you're in the right place today. Because today we're looking at probably the saddest book in the whole Bible. So as we continue walking through the Bible in our series called Cover to Cover, we find ourselves today in the book of Lamentations. And honestly, Lamentations is kind of a tough read. Our best guess is that the prophet Jeremiah was the author of Lamentations. And we talked about him last week. 
He was named the weeping prophet because he so often prophesied the destruction of Israel and Jerusalem. And he so often did this and had to go and watch the people not listen until eventually Israel was taken into exile. And this happened when the Babylonians came in and they had this great powerful empire and they came in and they destroyed everything that the Israelites loved. Their homes, their places of worship, their livelihoods, their way of life, everything was gone. And they forcibly removed them from their land into the land of Babylon. So here the Israelites are having just lost everything and Jeremiah pens these five poems or laments. And interestingly enough, as he writes these poems, they aren't these scrambled emotional scatterings of words. Jeremiah actually chooses to give them order. See, he wrote poems that are all 22 verses because each one is essentially an acrostic poem. The first word of each line begins with one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's like he's expressing this grief, but he still puts order to it. And in doing that, it's kind of like, it's the Hebrew equivalent of expressing your grief from A to Z. He's letting it all out there by expressing all of his grief and all of his pain in this ordered fashion, except for chapter three. Chapter three is a bit of a different chapter. It's way longer. Instead of the usual 22 verses that the other four chapters have, it has 66 verses, as Jeremiah gives three verses to each letter. And it appears to be the most personal chapter as well. The voice in chapter three is that of one lonely man who seems to be carrying the grief of all of the people of Israel. And he ends up pulling from all over the Old Testament, these little phrases and ideas. And then right in the middle of all that grief and suffering that he's expressing, we find the only glimmer of hope in the entire book. So that's our text for today. It's Lamentations 3, verse 19 to 26. It's 3, verse 19 to 26. And it says, The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I have grieved over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. So that's a pretty big chunk of text. And we're going to look at what was actually said here. Just kind of line by line, we're going to go through it. So we start with a very downcast couple of verses. The thought of my suffering, which he's referring to the emotional damage, and homelessness, the physical damage, is bitter beyond words. Do you relate to that sometimes? where you're trying to talk to God or just trying to express to someone how you feel and it feels like there's no words for it. That's exactly what Jeremiah is up against here. He didn't even have the words to express how bad he was feeling at this time. He just says that he is bitter beyond words and he will never forget this awful time. I think on some level, we can all identify with that statement. All of us have experienced losses in our lives And those moments can really mark our memories and potentially even define who we are. 
Moments of loss or tragedy, because of how hard they hit us, tend to be well-remembered. For example, for two decades now, people have talked about how they will never forget where they were when they found out about 9-11. In 2020, we had a similar experience on March 11. While we may have a harder time remembering the exact date, many of us remember exactly where we were when we found out that Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson tested positive for coronavirus. Not only that, it was that same day that the WHO declared a global health emergency, the NBA suspended their season, and slowly we saw more and more of the world close down before our eyes. So even if it wasn't Tom Hanks that made it real for you, it was probably that day that you remember. And that's a moment that many of us are never gonna forget. I have a vivid memory of sitting in a Starbucks, I was studying and getting a text that Tom Hanks and his wife both had COVID. And just this uneasy feeling settling in of being not sure what was to come. And I have a feeling that much like Jeremiah, we're never gonna forget this time. But even in all of this grief and pain and loss, I love this next verse that Jeremiah wrote. He says, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. And I love that phrase, I dare to hope. Hope can be daring. It can feel dangerous. It is audacious. And for Jeremiah, why on earth would he have hope? You know that verse in the book of Jeremiah that everyone loves? It's Jeremiah 29, 11, and it says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that verse is great and it's beautiful and inspires so many people. But what we miss is what was said right before it. And that's in Jeremiah 29 verse 10. Before he wrote about the plans of God and the prospering of God, he wrote, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, then I'll bring you back. But the reality is, is that Jeremiah wasn't gonna come back. Jeremiah was too old. Jeremiah, he, there was no way he was going to make it through 70 years in exile to be brought back. He should have no hope personally. He was writing to a nation that there was plans to prosper them and have hope in a future. But this was it for Jeremiah. Jeremiah was going to end his life in exile. But yet he had hope. He dared to have hope even in the middle of an exile. Even after watching the temple where he used to worship be destroyed, watching his family lose their livelihoods and their land being taken from them, he dared to have hope. And what an example that is for us. When, I think that when Christians can go out into this world and have hope, it can be so confusing for the world around us. Because when you say things like, in the middle of a pandemic that you have hope or in the middle of a cancer diagnosis that you're holding on to hope or while the stock market is crashing and we don't know if we're going to go into a recession or a depression or what's going to happen that you have hope or when you're in the hardest year of your life but you are still hopeful there's just no reason for the world around you to get that but unfortunately a lot of christians have lost their way 
and many people who would profess to be Christians don't seem so hopeful. And honestly, I get it. This year has been so hard in so many ways for so many of us, and control has been slipping away from all of us. Because maybe you thought before that you were in control of your life. Maybe you felt that while it was hard, that you were kind of making your own way. And maybe you figured that betting on yourself was a pretty safe bet because you usually come through. But then a pandemic comes along and now there's no more certainty in anything. And we're all confused and everything seems to change on a daily basis. And in response, a lot of us just tried to control what we could. And what did that look like? Well, I have five ways that I just want to go over about how we tried to grab control. And the first was blaming. Many of us wanted to find a scapegoat, something to blame. It was China's fault or the government or the WHO or the people who are giving in or the people who aren't giving in. Whatever it was, as long as we could point to someone else to blame, we feel better. Second, some of us got caught into like magical thinking, believing that there is something that everyone else is missing, that if we could just all get on board with it, it's going to make everything better. Some of us have been convinced that there's just one missing ingredient and everyone else just needs to see that. But the reality is there's very little consensus. Experts don't know, governments don't know, and we're all just trying our best. Number three, predictions. If we feel like we can make predictions and it allows us to feel like we're in control. This is one that I've definitely slipped into at times for sure, even this past week as we're talking about a fourth wave and trying to figure out what that's going to look like. We try to predict what's going to happen so that we can prepare. But we don't know. And honestly, most of my predictions have been wrong. Number four, doom and gloom. Making grand statements like the world will never be the same. And truthfully, in some ways, it's not going to be the same. But also, after the Spanish flu, people gathered again. After 9-11, people flew. Things will change, but people forget quickly, and we all want our lives to go back to normal. And last was controlling what's in front of us. Maybe you couldn't control what was happening in the world around you, but maybe you got to cleaning or exercising more or trying to control people around you. Whatever was in front of us, we tried to get control over it. But what all of these controlling behaviors miss is hope. And we can get lost in doom and gloom or controlling. But what we're not doing when we're doing that is hoping. And these behaviors are easy because they come naturally to us. What we have to work to feel is hope. We have to actually dare to hope. And Jeremiah does it, but when does he do it? He says, when he remembers that the faithfulness of the Lord never fails. When he remembers, then he dares to hope again. And what's he remembering? That the faithfulness of the Lord never fails. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. And it goes on. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. When Jeremiah says the Lord is my inheritance, 
Some translations say portion, or Eugene Peterson in the message wrote, I am sticking with God. But I love the idea of God as our inheritance. Because when we think of an inheritance, we, we think of something that it might be, we put hope in it. If you have a good inheritance coming, you definitely might be putting hope in it. For others of us, not so much. But especially in that time, if your family owned land, your inheritance was kind of your future. It was what you would put your hope in because that was what one day when your parents passed on, they would pass on to you and you would now be a landowner and you would have a place in your community and you would have a livelihood. Your hope was literally in your inheritance. But Jeremiah is honest here. His hope and his future is not in anything here on earth. It is in one day receiving the inheritance of the Lord. He can dare to hope because his future isn't tied to anything that this world has to offer him. He had so little invested in it, but rather all of his hope was in the inheritance of God. And yours can be too. So what is that inheritance that God offers us? First off, that God is faithful. And his faithfulness is great. Great is his faithfulness. And that's not referring to how good it is. Like when God is faithful to somebody, it's so amazing. And it is. But it's not amazing because it's unique. God's faithfulness is great because there is an abundance of it. God is faithful to each and every one of us. And that plan, that inheritance, that faithfulness that he offers to us, it came to us in the form of a man named Jesus. This is all about Jesus. Our inheritance is secure in the person. And what does that look like? How do we get an inheritance that is in a person named Jesus? For us, all, of it, all that it is, is just making Jesus the Lord over our lives and following him in every aspect of our lives. And why would you ever want to do that? It's because Jesus took on every wrong thing that you've ever done and are ever going to do, and he put it to death on the cross. And he came back alive as the savior of the world, and he is your redeemer. He has promised you eternal life that promises you a hope and a future that goes well beyond the end of your life here on earth. And it's because he has set the template for how to live the most alive, the most hopeful, and the most joy-filled life today. As you walk with Jesus, you should actually expect to be more optimistic and more hopeful and more loving and more secure in who you are. Because to follow Jesus is to become more like him. And the more you are like Jesus, the more you will embody all of those things. If you've ever been short on hope and you're unsure of where you're going, let me just tell you that Jesus is the answer that you're looking for. And if you've been following Jesus for a while and you've been coming to church, but you've been having a hard time hoping, let me just remind you, Jesus is the answer you're looking for. Our hope is in Jesus because he is the future that God has promised to us. So how do we respond to all of this? Well, if you're already a follower of Jesus, then we just need to take some time to see where we're at. 
how are you doing with the audacity of being a hopeful person? What are you focused on right now? And take some time this week to actually take stock of how you've been doing. And if you've been having a hard time being hopeful, I would really recommend that you spend some time in prayer, but also go back to the scripture. It was through the scripture that Jeremiah actually finally finds his hope in chapter 3. It's through referencing Psalms of Lament and Job that he finally has a message of hope to put out into the world. And at the end of this passage, in verse 26, it talks about sitting quietly before the Lord. That's something that we don't often do, especially in times of crisis. We want to get so busy and we want to get so on top of every little thing in our lives. But maybe what you actually need to do is just step back and be quiet and allow God to show you that hope again. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is your invitation. An invitation to a life that is worth daring to hope in. To a life where you are able to experience the abundant faithfulness of God. A life where there is a reason to have hope. And a life where you're going to look more and more like the most perfect person who ever walked the earth. And if you want to become a follower of Jesus, we would just love if you would let us know. And you can do that right down below this video in the link that says, follow Jesus. And we'll make sure to follow up with you if you just fill out a very short form there. But before you do that, I would just love to pray with you as we close. So God, we thank you for this message that through this book of Lamentations, through all of the grief and all of the sorrow and the messiness of loss, that there is a message of hope today. God, for every person who's watching this who may be struggling and who is trying to find hope in a dark or a desperate situation or whatever it is that they're up against, Lord, I just pray that you would reveal yourself to them and that you would reveal that sense of hope and joy. God, that people would be drawn close to you today. Wherever we are, may we be so aware of your presence in this moment. In your name we pray. Amen.